You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So obviously I didn't watch the game yesterday, but it did go the way that I hoped that it would. Although I have developed more of a hatred for the Vikings than the Bears, it just makes more sense to root for the Vikings. The Vikings have a lesser record. Um, The Bears' record is closer to ours. And again, we have to face the Bears twice. We're done with the Vikings. We're done. So the only real risk here as far as the... Wow, that's just getting off to a good start here, aren't we, phone? I'm up. I've been up, dude. I've been up, son. The only risk for the Vikings is that they go on such an absolute rampage they actually get into the playoffs and start beating everybody and knock us out of the playoffs. Obviously, they are a five-loss team, so if they go undefeated, which is incredibly unlikely, but let's just say... That's 11-5. and five. Clearly, they're a playoff team. With that said, however, let's not get crazy. They beat the Lions. They beat the Bears. They beat the Packers when the Packers had an implosion game. The game before that, they lost to the Falcons. Before that, they lost to the Seahawks. So, you know, again, let's not get crazy. They're going to beat the Cowboys, I would assume. The Panthers, not so sure about that. They'll probably beat the Jaguars, so that's two more wins. Don't think they're going to beat the Vikings. Probably beat the Bears. There's three wins. Not so sure about the Saints, although I think Drew's done. I mean, they do have probably at least four more wins here. We might see the Vikings again. (laughs) Sorry for Vikings fans who are starting to get excited about uh, a high draft pick. And unfortunately for you, the only reason you're getting in is because the schedule's so easy. And, I mean, fine, that's the same with the Pack. Cool, I don't care. Point is, you're not going anywhere. It's such a shame because the team is so horribly decimated there's no players but you guys just dug deep and found a way to start winning all these games in which you're playing bad teams and if you can get into the playoffs which is not a guarantee you could lose to the panthers they could lose to the jaguars they could lose to the bucks to the Bears, to the saints possibly even the lions although unlikely it's just worst case scenario man you guys need a lot of help but it does bring us back to what makes football so interesting i i don't know I mean, I don't know enough about baseball or basketball to really speak in an informed way about this, but I feel like they're pretty straightforward, right? The guys that are good are good. The more good guys you have, the more likely you are to win, right? Basketball is like, if you just buy up all the guys that are good, you just win. Cool. Baseball, same thing. Like, guys that are good are just good. And then if you have more good guys, then they get more hits, and then you get more runs, and then you win more games. Everything just seems kind of black and white. The Vikings right now have a collection of guys that are just horrific football players, and they're winning. The Packers have a collection of really good football players. They don't feel like winning. So again, it's like, what do you do about that? I don't know, man. Football's crazy. Any given Sunday is a lame cliche, but re- I mean, it, 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 it's frustrating when you're on the negative side of this, but it does. it is what makes football really, I don't know. It's fun for people like me that like to analyze stuff. Because I'm kind of like a dog chasing his tail. I'm never going to figure it out, but it's always like, ooh, 
there's something to be figured out here. Let's go figure it out. There's nothing to be figured out in football, man. It's just football. Nothing makes sense ever. And as soon as you think you got the perfect formula and you got to figure it out, boom, you're wrong. Like the draft. That's, that's a joke. Nobody knows who's good at stuff. But we got this entire industry that's trying to, like, calculate and formulate. And we look at all the attributes and what are the most important attributes. And we aggregate these attributes and what, which things translate and don't translate. And we think we got it all figured out. We don't know jack squat about who's going to be a good football player. Nothing. I mean, you look at a guy like DK Metcalf and you look back and you're like, how did we not know this guy was going to be a freak? Everything about him says he's a freak. And then you think, oh, wait, that's right, because there's so many freaks that go into the NFL and they suck. That's why. Because you're trying to be smart and be like, oh, everybody thinks he's going to be good just because he's like tall and fast and stuff. Ha ha ha, I'm smarter than that. I already know that that doesn't make you a good football player, which is true. But it doesn't mean you're going to be bad either. I, it's just nothing. There's nothing to be figured out here, man. There's just nothing to be figured out. Why is it the Vikings with no team are doing better than a lot of teams with an actual team? Well, because they have a better coach. Do they? Because I thought a little while ago we were saying Zimmer needed to be fired, and it was funny that he's not going to be because they just signed him. And that's hilarious because he's a terrible coach. Now he's a genius? Oh, okay. Again, we all, we're, we're all geniuses for what happened yesterday. None of us are brilliant about tomorrow. There's a whole collection of people who know everything there is to know about football, and they'll tell you that all their opinions have always been right, unless you ask them what's going to happen tomorrow. Then they start to sound really stupid. It's one of the drawbacks of having a podcast. It's nothing but me talking about what's going to happen tomorrow and being wrong all the time. I mean, I'm right a lot. It's, it's nice that at least things are usually 50-50. He's going to be good. He's going to be bad. We're going to win. We're going to lose. Right, I got 50-50 shot here, but nothing makes sense. Right, I got the pink, the king of the pessimists sending me a message saying something to the effect of, tell me what about this Jaguars game makes you think we can beat the Colts? Well, there's nothing. But tell me what about the Saints game makes you think we can't beat the Colts? Right? I mean, it's, it's crazy. We're, we're at this point in time looking at it saying, I wonder if the Vikings can win out, get into the playoffs, and knock us out of the playoffs because suddenly they became a threat. How? And are they really, or did they just beat up on two really bad teams and a Packers team that imploded, which is something they do just about every other game? So I don't know. I, the point is, I think the right team won. The Bears just, they've, they've got nothing, man. I mean, it's obviously not nothing. The, the defense is still very impressive. But again, I, I, I've said it a thousand times. This is what happens when you spend three years worth of draft picks getting a handful of guys. It's all real good and well, but you better win and win quick. Because this thing's about to fall apart. And so you got guys leaving. You got offensive linemen that leave. You know, either you can't pay them because you're spending $25 million on one pass rusher, or because they retire, or you just let them walk, or whatever, because they're getting old. Who's replacing these guys? Nobody. Nobody. You don't have any money. You don't have any draft picks. What are you doing? You're going out and you're getting guys like Jason Spriggs. That's what you're doing. So. You know, we all talk a lot about how we need to be more aggressive, we need to go all-in, but man, you are really hard-pressed to find an example of a team going all-in and winning as a result. I talked about last year, you had the Saints, you had, um, man, there were there were like four or five teams that were just going all the way in last year, and it ended up being the Chiefs, who did not go all-in, that won. It just, it just doesn't generally translate. It's hard to even find like a blip. Again, Antonio Brown. We, we talk about him, and it's like, well, it, I don't care what he did. I mean, he's autom- He's a freak. He's so good. He's going to do all these things. And then he goes to Tampa Bay. He does absolutely nothing, and we just don't talk about it anymore. Where is he? I mean, if we just forget about all the crazy stuff he's done, which more stuff came out yesterday that he went, even, he went crazy again. Well, this was a long time ago, and the team knew about it. So he's still going out going nuts. 
in this instance, for those that didn't know, by the way, apparently he's in some gated community, which is kind of what you want, but it's, it's not quite right. I mean, the gated part is right. The fact that we're keeping people away from him with the gate is not exactly ideal. I feel like it should be the other way around, but that's a separate issue. So he has a guest come up to the gate and say, hey, I want you to let me in. I know Antonio Brown. And the security guard, who happens to be a lady, not that Antonio Brown cares, he likes to assault women and throw furniture off a balcony at children and stuff like that, so that doesn't really matter. But he was really mad, rode his bike out there, started screaming, swearing at the lady, and then attacking a uh, camera, which is good because, you know, I'm assuming he wasn't very far off from attacking this female security guard who's there to protect him and his community. But of course, Antonio Brown doesn't care. He doesn't know what it means to be grateful or a decent human being. He's just human garbage, but, you know, whatever. So anyways, the team knew about it, and they're like, eh, that's fine. We told him we don't like that stuff when we signed him and told him to come in here. Which, by the way, when do we go after Tom Brady, this hero of the universe? Aaron Rodgers is a bad guy, why? When did he ever demand that a guy like Antonio Brown get signed to their team? Has he ever done that? As far as I know, he sticks up for guys that are on his team. He does that too much, by the way. Those two, I know they're friends, but they are exact opposites. And it's probably to Tom Brady's credit, although he clearly goes too far in in the case of Antonio Brown. But Tom Brady, if a guy is on his team and doesn't play well, he goes to the coach, to the GM, and says, get this piece of garbage off my team. Aaron Rodgers is a lot more like Mike McCarthy, where he just refused to let anybody go. All the worst players, when everybody's talking about how bad they are, he comes out and he's like, this is my favorite player in the world, and we need to keep him. I love Martellus Bennett and Jeff Janis. And Jimmy Graham, they're the best players in the world. Mercedes Lewis, Rogers, all due respect, shut up. I don't want to hear your opinion anymore. I get it. Everybody's your best buddy, and you are super care about winning all the time, and that's the most important thing, and you don't tolerate anybody messing up. At the same time, please don't fire my friends. Just play football and leave it to Brian Gutekunst to figure that stuff out, all right? But really, I mean, it just... It's, it's never a good day for the we-need-to-go-out-and-get-people crowd. The Vikings have nobody. They're winning. The Packers went out and got all these guys. Now they have no money. They're not winning. And the reason we're not winning is because we didn't go get anybody. Excuse me, Zadarius, Preston, Amos, Billy Turner. We went out and got everybody. Now those guys aren't playing very well, and the reason that we're losing is because, well, because we didn't get enough guys. No, 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 no. It's because we went out and got guys. We have no money, and the guys that we got aren't playing well. Don't try to move the goalpost. Gutekunst did exactly what you guys said we needed to do, and it's not working. Well, we need more guys. And again, this is the problem. You can't build a team through free agency. That's not how this works. Well, we need more guys through free agency. Okay, let's go get some more. Well, that didn't work. Well, we need more. Nope, sorry, we're out of money. Well, we need to sign Aaron Jones. Sorry, we're out of money. We need to sign Corey Lindsley. Sorry, out of money. They're leaving. Goodbye. You got Preston. <laughs> You don't get Corey, you got Preston. Even if we let him go let in, uh, this upcoming year, it's going to cost us $8 million. Because I know that was, oh, no, no, we're going to let him go. That doesn't cut. No, 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 it does. We're going to cut $8 million off of the cap, but it's still an $8 million cap hit because it's $16 million. We only save 8 which means there's $8 million of dead money. If we had never signed Preston, we would get $16 more million. If you got $8 extra million, maybe you can consider signing a guy like Corey Lindsley, but we don't have that because we just had to go get Preston. So look, all I'm saying is if you got an opinion, that's cool, but don't run away from it. And, and before you move on to the we need more guys, let's address the other guys that we signed that didn't work out too well. I don't, I don't want to make too many government parallels here because people will get all huffy about it, but that's government in a nutshell. We need to do this. Really? Yes, we do. All right. 
and then we do it and it doesn't work. Well, we need to do it more. Um, wait a minute. <laughs> we, we just did it and it didn't do anything. Are you sure we need, oh yeah, we got to do more. Okay. And then that doesn't do anything. Well, we just got to do it more. How about, let's, let's pause here, stupid. Let's, let's just take a time out and address the fact that you've been wrong every time so far. Can we, can we pause and, re- and reassess the theory? Like the foundational theory that we're starting with here before we continue down this path of stupid? But again, that, that's never going to happen because there are just certain people, certain industries, whatever, where you can't change the core idea. Whether the core idea is free agency fixes problems or government solves problems or whatever it is, that's the thing that can't be changed. That's the foundational issue some people just can't let you touch. And again, to bring it back full circle, the Green Bay Packers and the most recent Coach Hahn video is going to, in my opinion, back this up. It's not a player issue. It's a we-just-need-to-play-better issue. Um, the main point of his video is analyzing the run game, which, as I'm looking at this, and I've, I've, I've been very... I've, I've brought it up, but not to a large degree. The run game for the Green Bay Packers has graded positively in two games this year. Two. The Detroit Lions and the Houston Texans. That's it. Aaron Jones... And I've been kind of flipping about this as well in terms of just being like, ah, it's fine. We know Aaron Jones is good. Aaron Jones is ranked 41st in the NFL right now overall as a running back. Jamal is ranked 31st. Aaron Jones has an average grade, 64 overall. 64. So I think now that we're looking at a team in which some guys just are are not quite in it all the way, it's time to start taking certain things more seriously, like Aaron Jones isn't quite doing what he needs to do. And again, if you watch the Coach Hawn video, which I might wait until tomorrow because there is the the film session is tonight. So there's going to be a live Zoom film session with Coach Hawn going over a lot of this stuff. If you want him to go over the run game, ask him about it. I'm not sure exactly what he's going to be talking about in this Zoom thing, like, you know, just sort of having general structure and then you guys can ask questions after. But that's going to be tonight if you want to get involved, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy um charles woodson tier or higher and you can get involved in that i'll send you the link uh that's tonight around six central i think but anyways one of the one of the plays that he highlights and it basically the the crux of the video is the run game isn't working and it's not just one thing it's everybody from the offensive linemen to the wide receivers to the tight ends to the running backs just making stupid mental errors and you watch aaron jones who is generally just that's the thing he's not a super high-end athletic freak he's not dalvin cook He's, he's not Derrick Henry, he's not Josh Jacobs or Christian McCaffrey, but he's just very, very skilled at doing the right things. And when he's not doing the right things, he looks like a, a run-of-the-mill average or below-average running back. And so when you watch, for example, Coach Hahn break down the play in which Aaron Jones isn't doing the right thing and saying, look, this is very simple. The way that these plays are designed, your job is to do this. He didn't do that. And the play went nowhere because he, re- and, and there was a play there. There was a play to be had. And again, it comes down to, it's not scheme, right? You've got coaches that, I'm, I'm starting to, the more I look at this, I'm starting to think scheme is, is pretty simplistic. Not that there aren't some guys that are just next level in terms of scheme and everything else, but on, on especially certain things like an inside zone run play. It's pretty basic. It really just comes down to this is how it works and everybody just needs to execute. It's not like there's some genius scheme involved. The offense and the defense know how out inside, outside zone works, how power works, how all these things work. It's just a matter of do your job and it's going to be there. Aaron Jones, just do what you're supposed to do. The stuff that, I mean, I don't mean this to be disrespectful, but, but Coach Hahn is a high school football coach. 
He's looking at this saying, no, I know how this works. My guys, my football players, my high school football players could tell you what he's supposed to do here because I teach them. And Aaron Jones isn't doing it. And it's stuff, I mean, I listen, football is super high pace and everything is all, you know. But this is, you know, if, if you're not 100%, if you're operating at 80% physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever, you miss these little half steps, these little foundational things that you've known since high school that suddenly you're just not doing. You're just, you're overthinking or you're underthinking or whatever the case is, and everybody's just not playing well. And so we're, we're sitting here talking about, are we going to pay Aaron Jones? He's not even been good this whole year. And yeah, you can probably take PFF with a grain of salt if you want. How much do they really know? But look, I mean, they've always loved Aaron Jones. His grades for the four years that he's been here, um, starting in 2017, 78.8, 80.7, 84.8, 64. His running grades, 84, 85, 80, 61. Something isn't right. I mean, yeah, he's still well, he's still averaging 4.8 yards per carry. I get that, but let's look at this. His yards per carry this this year, 4.1, 9.3, which obviously throws off the average, 4.3, 4.7, 1.5, 3.9, The last three weeks have been, what in the world is this? Well, maybe it's the offensive line. Yeah, in part it is. But that's the thing. It's it's Everything has to work in unison. And if one guy messes up, as you'll see in this video, that's all it takes. And when you've got a situation where it only takes one guy to make a mistake and you've got five offensive linemen and a running back involved in the play, plus, you know, a tight end and a couple of wide receivers, and you got guys messing up like once every five plays, you're never going to go anywhere. Well, Corey Lindsley made a mistake on this one, and Mercedes made a mistake on this one, and Aaron made a mistake on this one. Everybody needs to wake up. And again, this is why the Vikings can suddenly wake up and start beating teams, and a team as stacked as the Packers with guys like Aaron Jones just suddenly don't play well anymore because guys like Aaron Jones are just like, eh, I don't know, just not having a good year, just not feeling it this year. Which I feel bad for him. He's a great guy. He's looking to get a big contract, and it's like, who's paying this guy $12 million? Who in their right mind? I mean, that's the thing. you got a bunch of teams that make irrational, rash decisions. Right? Like, I, I know we shouldn't do this, and I know it doesn't usually pan out, but man, he's so good. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. Who's going to make an irrational, rash decision with Aaron Jones, who is a smaller back, 26 years old, which is all downhill for after 26, usually with running backs, who has a injury history, who just came off a pretty bad year, in which several games this year, Jamal has looked like the better running back. Right? I mean, really. I mean, if, if anything, this points to the Packers keeping him because his contract is about to plummet. You know, I mean, if, if he's worth suddenly $6 million, I don't know, maybe we just hang on to the guy. But again, it, it's it's good and bad. It's bad because, I mean, obviously it's just bad that guys just aren't playing, but it's good because you know they can do it. To give you an example of what I'm talking about, Corey Lindsley overall as a run blocker right now, 87 overall is his PFF grade. His grade last week, 59. That's not great. David Bakhtiari is a run blocker right now, 83.4 overall. His grade uh, last this past game, 68. Rick Wagner overall is a 71. He hasn't had a good game since week four as far as a run blocker. He's been fine as a pass blocker. Elton, I mean, he's just, again, I, PFF has never liked him as a run blocker, and I know Twitter has always been telling us he's a really good run blocker, and look at this touchdown. It happens because of Elton. He just, it's bad. I, just, I don't know what to say. I mean, it, it still applies, 64 overall in a 58 in this past game. But really, he's been bad all year with the exception of Tampa Bay. He had a 91 overall. It's the only reason his overall run blocking grade isn't just horrific. And then Billy Turner is kind of similar, except he's only had one good game as a run blocker and a lot of really bad games. 
he had a 48 overall as a run blocker in this last game. So, but again, the 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 point is they can do it. They just it's it, it's it's so frustrating to watch a video in which it's simple stuff like your job is to push this guy out of the way and then get up to the next level. Except you forgot to do the first thing and just walked right past him, and then they got tackled in the backfield. Like simple, stupid stuff that again high school kids know how to do. You're in the pros, and you just forget. Oh, uh, yeah, I forgot. I was supposed to do that thing first. I, for- I literally just forgot what my job is. I forgot how inside zone works. <laughs> what? How? So, again, it's just, it's just a weird position to be in. We have a good team, but the guys just mentally are checked out, and I don't know what to say about that. I don't have any pearls of wisdom. Again, it's good news, bad news. The good news is we don't really need players to win. The bad news is more players can't fix this. I mean, this this really isn't fixable from the outside. There's nothing our GM can do to fix this. If guys just don't wake up, we just don't win. And I don't want to just keep repeating the same thing over and over again, but that's just what it is. So again, I you know, it it really makes my job difficult because as much as football is hard to kind of gauge all the time anyways, it just makes the Packers impossible to figure out. I like trying to figure stuff out because then you can kind of see the future a little bit. There's no way with the Packers. No way. I mean, the best you can do is look at the weather and look at whether or not this is a really stout defense and say if it's a really good defense, the Packers' offense is probably going to struggle and then they're all going to pout and they're all going to stop playing well and we'll probably lose. I mean, that's that's the best I can do at this point. That's not a guarantee. I mean, maybe it's a really good defense and the Packers just play really well and they overcome the defense and it's like, whoa, this team could beat anybody. It's like, yeah, well, we kind of knew that. Or maybe it's not a good defense, and it's like, well, we're just going to steamroll these guys, and then, you know, we just don't. Like with the Jaguars, where we make it look like it's a really good defense because our offense just doesn't show up. I just, there's, there's no way to put your finger on this team. The best way you could put your finger on this team would be to just hang out in the locker room and see what the energy looks like. Right? If they're on their phone, like, just scrolling through Twitter or just goofing off or what, just, just not focused on the game, they're just like, yeah, we lose this one. It's such a, it's just, it's, I've never experienced anything like it. It's so weird. Granted, everything is weird this year, right? The Vikings are super weird. The The Bears are weird. We thought the Bears were competitors. We thought they were serious, and now they're like a laughing stock. We thought the Vikings were a laughing stock. Now we're scared of them. You know, I mentioned the Rams. Like, they seemed like maybe they were one of the more dominant teams in the NFC, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, they're kind of a joke, and they're trash, and then all of a sudden now people are scared of them again. You know, the last time they won two games in a row was against the Giants in Washington. Before that was Dallas and Philly. I mean, really, four of their wins have come against Washington, the Giants, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. The other wins they had were against the Bears and Seattle, who's just in the complete collapse mode. Their losses came to Buffalo, the 49ers, who are bad, and Miami, who's better than you would expect, but certainly not an elite team. So, yeah, maybe the Rams are good. I don't know. They haven't really shown that. How many playoff teams have they played? The the Bills, and they lost. Um... The Dolphins and they lost, and then Seattle they won. But again, Seattle is in full-on collapse mode. That's it. So I, you know, again, what are the Rams? I don't know. Whatever. The Saints are a seven-win team. They haven't lost since they played the Packers. Nobody takes the Saints seriously at all. Nobody even cares about them. They beat the Buccaneers twice, thirty-four to twenty-three and thirty-eight to three. Are the Bills good? Is Tennessee good? Is Seattle good? You know the Raiders are six and three. Did anybody realize that? One of their wins coming against the Chiefs. They also beat the Saints and the Panthers. Their losses coming against the Buccaneers, the Bills, and the Patriots. If anything, the the it's easier to justify the Raiders being a good team than it is the Rams. 
Miami's six and three, which is super weird. The Colts are weird because they've got a really good defense, but their offense they're kinda of like the Bears. Solid defense, but the offense is kinda of like, ew, what is this? The Browns are six and three. The Ravens are six and three, but I don't know if they're any good at anything. The Cardinals sometimes seem like a joke, but at the same time they seem like an unbeatable team. It's just it's it, everything's weird. Patriots I thought were for real and now it's like ah oh, maybe they suck. I don't really know. Again, the Vikings are four and five and they may only lose two more games this year. I don't know. Panthers and three are three and seven, but they battle really hard. Pittsburgh's undefeated, but they almost lost to the Cowboys. They almost lost to the Ravens. They almost lost to the Titans. Came within one score of the Texans. Came within one score of the Broncos. Been a lot of close games. I mean, this is one of those, if the coin flips the other direction, they're like 50%. It's one of the benefits of having a really good defense. You tend to win more close games. But they're close games nonetheless. They also have the 24th ranked offense meaning I don't trust them to do anything. Same with the Buffalo Bills last year. Elite defense got into the playoff, but they had a terrible offense. And I, I looked at it and said, well, how, many, how often does a team with this good of a defense but a terrible offense win? Um, like once ever. Buffalo Bills didn't do anything. So again, everybody's got their own challenges. I think the Packers' challenges are probably a little bit more frustrating than, than other teams. I mean, if you're a bad team because you have bad players, that sucks. But at least you have some kind of hope because you look at it and say, if we can just get X, Y, and Z player, right? The Bears are looking at it saying, man, if we can get a quarterback, we still got a good defense, get a couple extra little pieces. We got a decent running back, build up this offensive line. I mean, we can get back in the swing of this thing. The Vikings, like, dude, we get Daniel Hunter back, continue swinging at this offensive line, kind of build up the D line. We're back in the swing. If these corners take a step, Packers are looking at it like, okay, Packers, what do you guys got to do? Like, I don't know, try harder. We got the guys, we just don't feel it. We're just not feeling it. Like, come. Like, there's just nowhere to go. Like, we made it. Like, the, 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 the really difficult journey of building a roster filled with talented players is done. We've reached this very rare apex that a lot of teams, some teams, never get to. They just never see rosters this good. And the Packers are just, eh. It's crazy, man. I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, that rambling session took entirely too long i was just covering the bears and vikings and that's where we got i do have to take a break we'll come back and i want to highlight a couple things that we learned via pff and at least their thoughts on this you've probably seen several of them already but i'll i'll shoot a couple more at you mybookie.ag currently right now has the indianapolis colts as two and a half point favorites gotta be honest probably not all that surprising but if you're looking to get in on some action there's really no better place than mybookie.ag where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. Whether you're a first-time customer or you've been playing for MyBookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests they offer every single week. Sign up or get reloaded today, find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They've also got a fully-fledged casino platform now, giving you access to all the classic table games, slots, card games, anything you'd find at a local casino. Just make sure when you go sign up that you use promo code OVERTIME. When you do so, they're going to match you halfway. So if you put down 100 bucks, they're going to give you another 50 to play with in free money. So if you're already planning on making a couple bets, why wouldn't you go there and collect your free cash? It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun. Win some cash while you're at it. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us.
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so the the crux of what we learned via PFF was that the, at least, again, PFF really liked the Packers' defensive line. Now, I know that might seem surprising because we didn't exactly like it, but you got to remember the defensive line, similar to the offensive line, kind of works as a unit. So it's possible for one guy to do something really, really well. For example, I don't know, let's randomly say that Zadarius Smith and Kenny Clark played really well against the run. But Preston Smith and Montrevious and Rashawn and Kingsley and Tyler and, you know, uh, basically everybody else, I mean, not base, literally everybody else on the team did not do very well against the run. It's possible that Zadarius Smith and Kenny Clark grayed out quite well because of what they did against the run, but we didn't do a good job against the run because everybody else did a poor job, which is essentially what happened and why Zadarius and Kenny graded out so well. You also had Rashawn grade out quite well. Well, why is that the case when he didn't do well against the run? Because he did a really good job tackling and his pass rush grade was so high. On top of that, you had Adrian Amos, who graded out really well as a tackler as well as in coverage. So what we had was also Preston Smith, not because of any one category, but just good enough in all categories across the board that he kind of crossed over into that 70 territory. But you had Zadarius, who was the highest graded player of the entire day, 84, basically 80, 85 overall, Adrian Amos, then Rashawn Gary, then Kenny Clark, then Preston Smith, and Raven Green even slipped in. Kind of similar to Preston, just really not super bad in any one category. So again, you look at it and say, man, we had so many guys grade out well, why didn't they play better? Well, how do you know they didn't? Right? If Adrian Amos is locking everybody down and he's doing a great job in coverage, but none of the other cornerbacks are, you have a situation where the Packers are getting thrown all over, which didn't happen, but I'm just giving you an example. Teams are throwing against you like it's nothing, and Adrian Amos has nothing to do with that. Or a game in which Rashawn Gary is the only guy that graded out well as a pass rusher, and Zadarius and Kingsley and Preston and everybody else graded out not quite as good, even though Zadarius' stats were pretty solid, as were Preston's, by the way. But it didn't entirely manifest. The other thing to keep in mind, there was a lot of pressure on the quarterback, but if they're not hitting or sacking the quarterback, it's possible to pressure him. He steps up in the pocket and gets the ball off. For example, as I said a thousand times, and it's very, very frustrating, um, 
Kenny Clark did a good job against the run. As a pass rusher, he was graded as the lowest lowest grade of anybody. He had one pressure in 33 attempts. That's putrid. He should have at least four, probably closer to five considering what he's getting paid. He had one hurry in the game. But again, one of the issues is if you've got, for example, Rashawn Gary, and I saw somebody on Twitter trashing Gary, he just he kept overrunning the quarterback. No, he didn't. He kept running at the quarterback. The quarterback stepped up in the pocket. He shouldn't be able to do that. There needs to be interior pressure to collapse the interior of the pocket so that there's nowhere to go. So you've had guys like Zadarius, like Preston, like Rashawn, who get around the edge, and what does the quarterback do? He escapes that pressure because there's nobody else there. There should be somebody else there to make sure there's nowhere for him to run. But there was no interior pressure whatsoever. Now, Kingsley Kiki actually did a decent job, but he only rushed the passer 10 times. Of those 10 times, he got pressure twice, which is a really, really high number. That's 20%, right? One in five, that's that's really high. But Kenny's the guy out there all the time. He's the, the, the second most pass rush attempts after Zadarius Smith, and unfortunately, he was the worst pass rusher on our entire team. That's a problem. So I'm, I'm just explaining how you can have some guys grade out really well and the defense overall not really be all that impressive. Now, to be fair, when I say guys didn't grade out all that, I'm, I'm not, when I'm talking about run defense, almost everybody who graded out is average. The only guys that were kind of bad, Josh Jackson, who cares, Raven Green, eh. Dean Lowry, completely unacceptable. That guy... I mean, I, I hate to be cold and callous. We made a mistake paying the guy. It's just all there is to it. Um, Kamal Martin, another linebacker, does poorly. Big shocker. Uh, Chandon Sullivan, who is the second lowest graded player on the team after Oren Burke. And Vernon Scott, who played one snap. Who cares? But again, it, the complicated thing when trying to use grades to to align what the grades are compared to what the results were we saw on the field is that it just it works too much in unison Um, as a unit, right? All the defensive linemen have to do their job and the linebackers have to do their job in order to execute. Same as the offense, right? If everybody does their job, the play should work. And it's possible for three guys to do a great job, but one guy doesn't and the play works for the other team. But again, what I can tell you is that Kenny Clark had his best overall game of the year based on how good he was against the run, but the pass rush is a very, very, very serious problem. And again, maybe this is a a Coach Hahn question. I don't know. But um, I don't know if there's something to be said about, you know, putting an emphasis on stopping the run or playing more passive that's keeping guys from being good pass rushers. But he is he is one of the worst pass rushers in all of football right now, Kenny Clark. He's had he had zero pressures week one, zero pressures week two. He had four against Houston and then zero, zero, one outside of the Houston game. He's had five games, one pressure. That is, I mean. It's just it's it's perfectly emblematic of exactly what we're talking about. We have the guy we want, right? We're, we're talking. Well, we got to get a defensive tackle in in the draft. Maybe. What I think we really need, though, is for the guys that we have, like Kenny Clark, that are some of the the most talented young players in football, to actually do their job well. That's the biggest thing we need. The biggest boost we can get to the defense is the guys that are already good to play like they're good. That's going to be the big boost. I mean, I've never seen anything so bad in my life. If we remove the Houston Texans game from Kenny Clark's repertoire, from from his his resume for this year, we've got one pressure, which was a hurry, not a sack or a hit, one pressure in 91 attempts. That is 1%. 1 1.09%. There's no words for that. The other thing that's a little bit scary, if you look at his grades overall, in 2017, he had an 87 overall grade. In 2018, 90 overall grade. 2019, 79. So far this year, 69. 
He went from 90 to 79 to 69. I don't know what's going on with Kenny. I don't know if it's a scheme thing or what Pettin's asking him to do. I don't know what the problem is. It's a very similar to what Blake Martinez was, right? Where he was real, real good. All of a sudden, not so good anymore. I don't know what it is. Figure it out. And and we can talk about how it's not Mike Pettin's fault all you want. Baloney. Because I'm not willing to watch Kenny. I mean, we already signed him, so it won't happen. But I'm not really willing to watch more guys like Blake go somewhere else and prove, oh, no, I'm actually one of the best in football. Because I, I'm just telling you right now, if Kenny went somewhere else, put Kenny on the Bears, put Kenny with the Vikings, put Kenny with a lot of these other teams who have really good defenses, he is going to tear it up. He's not doing it here. I am putting that on Pettin. Period. Period. Not scheme. Just do your job. Okay, fine. Whatever. Don't care. And it wasn't scheme when, when Blake wasn't doing his job, but he went somewhere else and he's doing his job. Whatever you want to call it, this is unacceptable. And it's not just one guy, right? That's the thing. If it was one guy, I'd be like, man, this guy just needs to step up. No, it's everybody. Zadarius isn't playing. Preston isn't playing. Rashawn kind of isn't. I mean, he's basically what he was last year. Kenny's not playing. Savage, Amos. Down the line. I was trying to get down the line out, but it's a D, and every time it just went on forever. It's kind of an interesting little thing that just happened there. My brain broke. Got to witness that one in real time. Again, I'm not trying to just constantly say the same thing over and over again, but it's it's just frustrating. It's frustrating. 1%? I mean, again, take away the Houston game, it's 1%. Even if you just look at the last three weeks, he's up to 1.5%. Ooh. Remember, 10% is... Mm, 987% is that's pretty bad. 654, you're useless, right? That's like a 400-pound nose tackle that's job is to just stop the run, but there's no way you're getting any pressure. That is useless, fat, pathetic, stupid. You go out on goal line and fourth and one. Otherwise, get your lumbering fat butt off the field forever. Kenny's at 1%. One time in 100 attempts, he's going to hurry the quarterback. He has zero sacks on the season. He has zero hits on the season. He has five hurries on the season. He is literally, literally one of the worst pass rushers in all of football right now. That's a serious problem. Now, if we want to look at some of the more positives, you got Zadarius Smith, for example, who's strung together two really good games, and he's getting to the point where he's having more good games than bad games. Right? The game before that against Minnesota was terrible. But the game before that, he had six pressures. But the game before that in Tampa was terrible. But the game before that, seven pressures. Right, so, so he got off to a slow start, kind of. Minnesota, decent. Detroit, not good at all. New Orleans, horrible. Which is, there seems to be a direct correlation between the Packers not doing a good job and Zadarius not showing up. But that's a separate thing. But again, since then, he at least went to every other day was good. Right, Atlanta, elite grade. Seven pressures on 41 attempts is fantastic. Three sacks, two hits, two hurries. Great game. Tampa Bay, nah, doesn't show up. Not feeling it that day. One pressure on 27 attempts. But then against Houston, six pressures, 39 attempts. Awesome. A sack, a hit, and four hurry. Then the next day he doesn't show up. Then he strings together his first ever this year. Two games in a row. Four pressures on 21 attempts against San Francisco. A sack, a hit, and two hurry. Then this last game, five pressures on 34 attempts. One sack, a hit, and three hurry. He's now officially over 10% pressure rate, which doesn't make him good, but at least he's not, you know, bad anymore. Congratulations on that. His pass rush grade is is getting much, much higher. It's all the way up to 82 now, which is great, largely because of two games in the 90s, one game in the 80s, 
and only having like one putrid game that was against New Orleans. So the point is, and I know I sound really negative because I'm just in a bad mood talking about Kenny. The point is, he's going in the right direction. Things are starting to look up a little bit. There's less and less bad games, more and more good games. The grades are getting better. The stats are getting better, like overall for the season. The percentages are, cre- they've just creeped across 10%. That's awesome. That's, that's good news. You look at Rashawn Gary. Easily, easily the best game he's had the entire year. His grades for the year, 64, 56, 55, 43, 65, 34, 55, 79.7. Hello. Seven pressures in one game. He's had 11 the whole season. So fortunately, as a result of that, he's basically at the exact same point he was all of last year. Last year, he had 150 pass rush attempts. Excuse me, 152, 16 pressures. Right now, he's at 150, 18 pressures. His run defense grade has gone down, his pass rush grade has gone up, and his coverage grade is through the roof. Last year it was a 32, this year a 79. That doesn't really mean very much, he's only done it twice, but it's just kind of a funny little note. But it's, it's again, it's, it's a good sign. Do I expect that to stay up? Not necessarily. But it is nice that he really assaulted, and, and on top of that, he's only had two games with no pressure. Again, remember, this is a guy that does not get a lot of snaps. Zadarius had zero pressures in a game where he was in there the whole game. You give Rashawn a couple opportunities, he's going to get to the quarterback almost every time. One of the games in which he had zero, he only had nine total attempts. He didn't even get 10, 10 shots at it. The other game, he only had 13. In any game in which he has 20 or more, let's see, Minnesota, 22 attempts, three pressures. 23 attempts against Detroit, four pressures. 35 against Houston, he got one. That's not good statistically, but he got one. 22 against Jacksonville, seven pressures. You give him opportunities, he's going to get to the quarterback. He's still got a lot to learn. He's still got a long way to go. But just based on physical freakiness, he's just he's ready to go. Now, the only thought I've had, I've heard some people say it's time for him to take over for Preston. I think the biggest thing holding that back is he's not a Preston guy. He's a Zadarius guy. He's a pure pass rusher that stays outside but can also probably move inside, even though they don't do that very much. Preston is a guy that is a purely an out, stand-up outside linebacker but they also like to drop him into coverage and stuff. Rashawn's not doing that. So it's it's sort of stylistically they're different. Schematically, they like having Preston on the field because he's the only guy that does certain things that Rashawn does not do. So I think that's the biggest thing holding that back at this particular point in time. Doesn't mean Preston's good at that. It's just a reality. They're different stylistic types of players. Um, other interesting note, Christian Kirksey uh, was one of only three guys that played every single snap in this game. So clearly he was the top dog at linebacker. 64 snaps for Kirksey, Sullivan, and Adrian Amo. Um, after that, Kamal Martin had 13 snaps. Oren Burks had five. But overall, in terms of the pressure column, Rashawn Gary was seven. Uh, Zadarius with five and 34 attempts. Preston had four with 28 attempts, which is great. Uh, Kingsley, again, had two with 10, which is fantastic. Kenny with one out of 33 attempts is horrific. And uh, everybody else, 12 attempts for Tyler Lancaster, zero pressures. Dean Lowry had 18 attempts, zero pressure. Nobody else did anything in that regard. Um, in terms of coverage, guys that graded out really well, Raven Green, Kenny Clark, he didn't drop into coverage at all. I think what this is referring to is sniffing out screens. You remember that one play in which there was a screen, he sniffed it out and brought the guy down right away? I think that's how guys who are like defensive tackles that don't have any coverage snaps get a really good coverage grade is because of plays like that. Um, otherwise, Adrian Amos. So we'll say Amos and Raven Green graded out well coverage-wise. Uh, Raven Green, I think, is really impressive. Four targets, only one reception and one pass breakup. Darnell Savage would be the next highest. He was targeted twice and had two pass breakups. So massive kudos to Darnell Savage on that. I know one of them was massively underthrown, but you got to factor in his speed on that. Uh, Josh Jackson, only two targets, two receptions, 28 yards. Christian Kirksey, 
five targets. He was the second most targeted guy, but did give up the most receptions. Five targets, five receptions, 24 yards. And then the, let's see, the only other two that were kind of gave up the most, the most targets, Kadar Holman, seven targets, four receptions for 54 yards. He gave up the most yarded. And then, um, actually, no, the most targeted and tied for the most receptions is Chandon down here. But again, he played more than anybody else. Nine targets, five receptions, only 44 yards. Not the worst day in the world. The only touchdown was credited to Oren Burke. One target, one reception, one touchdown. So, ouch. Already over time, but offensively, somewhat surprisingly, but I guess maybe it shouldn't be all that surprising, the highest two players, Devontae and, and Aaron Rodgers. Again, the only thing I can really say about, um, and now my internet just stopped working, so that's really cool. There it comes. Um, again, the only thing with, with Devontae, who was actually quite a, Kind of quite a ways ahead of, of everybody else in terms of his grade, 82.3 overall. Aaron Rodgers was a 73. So again, pretty big jump there. Um, number one is how much do they take away from Devontae on some of those drop, right? I, I don't know if they have a gradient for that. Like if you're wide open and a catch hits you right in the hand compared to you're catching it and somebody blasts you so that it knocks you off your feet. I'm not sure. On top of that, you got to remember there were 53 snaps in this game. 18 were him run blocking. He had an 80 overall grade as a run blocker, so he gets credit for that. 35 times he ran routes. So there were times when he had drops. He also had several catches, and there are also times when he's running routes against guys that the ball doesn't go his way. So from their perspective, Devontae still had a very good day. So technically my position that Devontae doesn't have bad days is correct. I'm taking a win for that one. Feel free to dispute them, but again, you got to go back and watch all 53 snaps if you want to overly critique Devontae Adams. Um, other guys that graded out well, I mentioned Aaron Rodgers, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, David Bakhtiari, who was kind of mediocre as a run blocker, but again, great pass blocker, and then Jamal. Actually, Jamal wasn't quite 70, but I'll give him credit for it. It was close enough. Pass blocking grade was real high. Run run grade was actually really high, 77, which is rare for the Packers. They're one of the worst graded run teams. None of the running backs are doing a very good job this year, but... Um, he actually did. I mean, and I think he did again in the start of this game. He was the better runner. It wasn't until the end of the game when I think the defense was gassed. You started to see Aaron start to get a little bit, but it was, I mean, when Jamal was in, we got yards. When, when Aaron was in, we didn't to start the game. Uh, the biggest reason that uh, Jamal didn't grade out all that high is his receiving grade was actually quite low. If we look at the offensive line as a whole, again, it's a team that is a much better pass blocking team than a run blocking team, but Bakhtiari did a fantastic job. Jamal, Corey Lindsley, Robert Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, and maybe Elton Jenkins will give him credit for 69.6. Those were the solid pass blockers. Billy Turner, a 64, so he graded out his average. Lucas Patrick, um, horrible. And Aaron Jones graded out terribly as a pass blocker. Run blocking. Um, Devontae Adams, I mentioned, had a really good game. Jawan Winfrey, I know um, nobody probably knows that he even played. He did play three snaps. All three, he went in as a run blocker, and he graded out really, really well as a run blocker. That is going to come to a complete shock. <laughs> Maybe he did really well on the other two, because one of the highlights of the this is why the Packers were terrible was Jawan Winfrey just completely whiffing on a block. So I don't know exactly. Again, he must have just dominated on the other two, because I don't know. That's weird. Um, Equinemius, Mercedes, another guy that was highlighted as having a bad block. I mean, we all saw that one. That was at the end of the of the game when we would try to convert that third and one, and the guy cut inside that was on Mercedes. But again, he's got 14 opportunities. You know, you can have one and still be graded out decently. And then Bakhtiari and Tanyan weren't terrible. Uh, a lot of kind of average. The only guys that graded out really terribly in this category, Lucas Patrick, Billy Turner, and MVF. Overall, in the blocking category, uh, Devontae, 
Actually, no, that's I'm not going to do that. Uh, Bakhtiari was the highest. He was the only one that graded out as even good, which is not great. Corey Lindsley was average. Elton was average. Uh, Billy Turner graded out as below average. Lucas Patrick was bad. So there you go. Anyways, I got to get out of here. Again, it's... Uh, I mean, we, we know what has to happen. All right, every, everything is there. The offensive line is good enough to, to know how to block. They're just choosing not to do it recently. Aaron Jones knows how to run a football and how inside and outside zone work. It's just a matter of whether he feels like doing it on a play-to-play basis. Um, the defensive line, they're good when they're good, and they're bad when they're bad, right? Zadarius, sometimes he's an elite player. Sometimes he just doesn't have a single pressure on 30-some attempts. You know, I just, I don't know. And then it's kind of what combination of guys show up, right? Rashawn shows up but Kenny doesn't, and Amo shows up, but Kirksey's terrible, Bakhtiari shows up, you know, you, you get what I'm saying? So it's, I don't know. Again, that's the thing about football, man. It's it's physically, but also mentally tight. You got to just be on your game. I mean, every little thing, every step, you got to know which, which foot goes forward first. Which, I mean, every single step, you got to have that down path. Execution is a separate issue. Understanding what your job is is first. Then it's doing your job. And then it's everybody doing their job across the board. So knowing what to do, doing it, and having the whole group do it. That's what constitutes a good play. The Packers haven't even got that first step figured out. So anyways, again, I gotta go. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>